Sims the freshman. Sims had to hustle it, and he's got it to give. He handles in. Oh, man, give. Touchdown. And now going for the end zone, and caught for the touchdown by Zay Flowers. Oh, he's coming pressure. He spins out of it. Now he's got to get rid of it. Has a receiver open to the end zone, and a touchdown. Into the boundary, Fitzpatrick juggled it, and it is intercepted. Divine Diablo comes away with the carol. And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. And Jason, I would define this weekend in the ACC as kickers and game-winning field goals in Wake Forest's case, in Florida, in Florida State's case, and failed game-winning field goals in Miami's case. But how are you doing? And beautiful as always. You know, I can't believe it's already October. College football is just zipping along. Week five is in the books. Some good games to talk about, though. Some good games. I would agree with that. We had a little bit, um, I mean, a couple of blowouts, which I wasn't really uh, pleased about, I guess, in terms of excitement level. But I'm still, most of the games were close. Actually, pretty much all the games came down to one possession. So I can't complain. You know, I can only complain about one of them coming down to one possession. That's NC State, Louisiana Tech. We'll get to that later. We're going to start with our helmet stickers. But before we get to that, let me tell you the our betting contest, what's going on there. So, Jason, you beat me 7.5 to 5 this week. How did you get half a point? Well, you had TCU plus 5. They lost by exactly 5. So I gave you half a point for that because for the push. But, Very appreciative of that, Dan. I'm sad that I didn't lock him in at plus six. I'm sad that I didn't lock him in in real life at plus six because I bet him in real life at plus five. But I didn't quite – some books they dropped down to four and a half, so I would have lost. But uh, half a point, yeah, it's, it's worth it, I guess. Yeah, so uh, let's – in our ACC games, we I think we both ended up going five – you went five and two. I went four and three, but you got your lock right and I got my lock wrong, which really separated us in the standings because we mm-hmm. also, you went two, oh, and one, and you're not ACC. I went two and one. So even though I had a pretty good record, just my getting my lock wrong killed me. So, dude, if people wanted to uh, get rich, they should definitely pay attention to our out of conference picks because <laughs> they'd be millionaires right now. Oh, yeah. We do, we're doing much better at a conference than in conference, but that's probably because we get to choose. I don't think we're good. We should change the topic of our podcast, but no, of course not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are actually at the end of this episode going to be doing a this or that segment, which I will explain when we get there. But yeah, let's start with our helmet stickers. So, Jason, what is your first helmet sticker? Listen, my first helmet sticker, it's going to be tough to top this one because he's our guy, he's our you know, middle-aged quarterback, Kenny Pickett, you know, just an unbelievable game. He's had an unbelievable year. I know we've dogged him a lot that, you know, he's 34 years old, and by the time draft comes around, he'll be 42. It'll be tough to know if any NFL teams are going to take a a flyer on a 42-year-old quarterback. But how about his, you know, 389 yards and four touchdowns? But this is the stat that I love. He has more touchdowns in a three-game span than any Pittsburgh quarterback in history, including Dan Marino. Wow. I did see that on the Pittsburgh official uh, 
football Twitter page. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's not an easy record to break when you're talking about a guy like Dan Marino. Obviously, records like that are going to be broken just because of the way quarterbacks are being used now more than ever, but still impressive nonetheless. So, yeah, I'm going to give my helmet sticker to follow up with that while we're on this topic. I'm going to give mine to Pittsburgh wide receiver Tastier Mack because Brennan Marion, we had him on the interview, the Pittsburgh wide receiver coach, and he has done a great job getting guys outside of Jordan Addison, who we know is phenomenal, to step up. And Tastier Mack led the team receiving five for 121 and a touchdown. Pittsburgh winning this game 52 to 21, really establishing that themselves as one of the best teams in the ACC, I feel like. Georgia Tech kind of that classic, you know, you had a big win last week, encouraging win, and then you're in the ACC, so you can't be up for too long. you got to be humbled at some point. So that's what happened to Georgia Tech. But Pittsburgh football now 4-1, and one, and that I think is going to bring us to our shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Pittsburgh shoulda beat Western Michigan. Based on how good their team is, they are the much superior team. Obviously, we know that. That coulda put made them um, five and zero right now, which woulda caused them to be a top twenty, perhaps fifteen team at this point, and maybe be the favorites to win the ACC or at least be in our power rankings the top team in the ACC. So, Pittsburgh. That's the Pittsburgh experience. I know that's what people are going to tell me. They're, they could easily go 9-3, and 10-2, and, and lose one of their games to Western Michigan, watch their other loss be to, like, Duke or something, because that's just how it works. But, yeah, that's them. Well, you know, I mean, they are going to look back and, and kind of rue that one. I think the FPI rankings gives them the best chance to win the ACC right as we speak. And while that would be great, I know Pitt fans would love that, if that does happen to be their only loss, ouch. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I, I still worry about their defense, particularly their secondary. We've preached this before. 359 yards, 10.9 yards per attempt for Jeff Sims through the air. I, that's probably a career high for him. Uh, my apologies to Georgia Tech fans if he had some other game with that many yards. But a little bit concerning, but nonetheless, Pittsburgh gets the win, so good for them. And they are rolling right now. So. With that being said, Jason, what's helmet sticker number two? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go pretty standard this week, and I'm gonna do it with another Florida State quarterback. But last week I took Mackenzie Milton just for kind of his gutsy performance, and I noted that he kind of ran out of steam at the end of the game. And I think I think that's probably why we saw a, a big reason why we saw my second helmet sticker, Jordan Travis, this week. And you know. He didn't light at the scoreboard. He didn't set some NCAA record, but he made some gritty plays. He made some heads up plays, you know, uh, especially the during the last drive, getting out of trouble in the pocket, uh, using his legs to pick up a first down and set up that game winning field goal that you had already mentioned. You know, uh, Florida State has to be excited. That was their first victory of the year. They were, you know, flirting with blowing this game. And they didn't. And, you know, Syracuse does have a stout defense. They were on the road, of course, in Tallahassee. But I'm going to give it to Jordan Travis. I think, you know, it was a, it was a good, solid performance and, you know, a long-awaited victory for Knowles fans. 
That's a good one. Dorn Travis basically – I mean, this game was ugly. Let's start with that. 33-30 to 30 was the score, but it might as well have been a 10-7 game the way these offenses played. The only reason it was that high scoring is because the defenses, I mean, didn't play as well. And besides that, uh, Treshawn Ward what was a 65-yard run. Jordan Travis was practically that whole offense. I mean, 113 yards on the ground, 131 in the air, like you said. He carried them. Syracuse, on the other hand, it really stinks because we've preached this. If they had a passing game, then that would be incredible for them because they would probably be in the top half team in the ACC. Now, Garrett Schrader ran for 137 yards and three touchdowns, also missed a lot of throws, left things on the table. So both of these teams kind of bottom five in the conference. I still have Florida State in the bottom of my power rankings, but at least they're on the board. At least they won't, they won't need a UMass win to get into the win column. So that's good. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to give you my second helmet sticker and I'm going to give mine to Nick Skiba, Wake Forest kicker, kicking the game-winning field goal. Yes, it was a chip shot, but you got to basically name the chip shot field goal after Nick Skiba because he just does not miss. I think – I don't know the exact number. Wake Forest fans know it off the top of their head, so they'll tell me, but he is perfect on the year and made three of three field goals this year, has three – of are three of three that game, three of three from 40-plus this year. He's never missed an extra point in his career. I mean, college kickers just have this stereotype that they are unreliable, and I just don't count Nick Skiba as a college kicker because he makes everything. There's no doubt that when it's from 45 or less, the ball's going through the uprights. Yeah, I can personally attest to this because I lost in our fantasy, our pipeline fantasy uh, league. I lost this week. Primarily because my opponent had Skiba. He, he had 13 points, and my, I think my kicker only mustered up like three points, three extra points, I believe, something like that. But in a, in a, in a match where I lost by two points, it, it, was, it was a tough one. It was a tough one to take. <laughs> Do you think this game lived up to game of the day, though, 37-34? I think it was a very good game. The other one may be Boston College-Clemson, which we'll talk. I guess we'll talk about that one next, but very good game. Malik Cunningham, like I said, he exploited that intermediate passing game once again. That's what he loves to do, 309 yards on the day passing. Neither team got had much of a rushing attack, so it was kind of just throwing through the air for both teams. And I, Justice Ellison kind of showed some flash in the ground, which I talked about last episode. I really like him, but it was another Wake wide receiver stepping up, Taylor Maureen. I could have easily given him a helmet sticker as well, so – I remember being worried about Donovan Green going down, Wake not having this receiving depth, but they definitely have the depth in the receiving room. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, when we had David Hale on our past award-winning podcast, that he, he mentioned Wake had all so many super seniors and it was going to really pay uh, their depth. It was really going to add to their depth. And, and you're seeing it. You're seeing guys step up seeing guys, you know, okay, they didn't have the best running attack on Saturday. didn't matter. They, they adjusted. They were, you know, malleable. They could beat you multiple ways. Hartman through the air had a, a pretty good game. I mean, it wasn't like his best game, of course. But, you know, Jaquiri Robertson, great game. Just wake solid. I, I would put them right now. I, I, would, I haven't looked at their schedule. I'd have to – I haven't memorized it anyway. 
I put them as, you know, the team to beat in the ACC. I do too, because Wake is also not one of those teams that has those stereotypical ACC letdown losses. They're, they just, like, throughout Dave Clawson's career, they're like that one team that's kind of immune to it. They haven't beaten good team or like elite teams. They haven't had that like really, really signature win, but they're not going to need it on this schedule. So I really don't see them winning less than 10 games this year. Cause I, I just don't see a Dave Clawson team imploding like that. Syracuse army and Duke are their next three games. And I'm pretty confident they win all three. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. And, and, you know, just reiterating what I just said, you know, it's, it, you're going to be less likely to have those letdown games when you do have, such a, a senior-laden team. And depth, yeah. That, that's well, that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. The, they have all these super seniors, and that's why they have so much depth. And that's the difference between this Wake Forest team and past Wake Forest teams. So that's good to see. How about uh, Boston College Clemson? 19-13, to 13, Clemson once again winning by one possession in the ACC. So they have a 2-1 and one ACC record. Uh, Dennis Grossell, 311 yards, but two interceptions. He missed some throws. I apologize to our guy, Christian Mahogany, because I know he said in an interview on our podcast that he thinks there's not much of a drop-off between Jerkovic and Grossell and that they're <laughs> that the team is just ready to play either way. And I think that's the case, but honestly, with Jerkovic, I think BC wins this game on Fortunately for them, that's not the case. Uyungle did just enough. Kobe Pace on the ground. So Boston are Clemson squeaking out with another victory, but they they're just like another ACC team. This kind of confirms it for me. I feel like I honestly feel like with every passing week, Clemson impresses me less and less. <laughs> At this point, they're kind of they're 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 bottoming out as far as in, impressiveness you know uh, it just I'm, I'm right with you if Jerko's there I think Boston College wins this handily you know Zay Flowers was hardly even involved in the game plan and that just wouldn't have been the case if, if Jerkovic's in the game Boston College in reality Clemson was disorganized that last drive and if they didn't get a little lucky with the the bad snap uh from the Eagles they would have lost the game. They would have because their defensive backs couldn't cover anybody at that point. Uh, our my guy uh, Trey Berry was heating up. He had already at, uh, eighty yards, and they were they were right there. They were knocking on the door. They were in Clem, you know, well inside Clemson territory. I was hoping. Uh, I mean, I, I'm always normally neutral, but I was kind of hoping Boston College could win this game because I've I began hearing rumors that Jerkovic's coming back. And I just thought, man, if they could stay undefeated and just keep, you know, piling up wins and then he comes back, who knows? Maybe they could make some miraculous run toward the playoff. But, I I mean, it's all over now. You know, um, unfortunately, that's how it is in college football, fortunately and unfortunately. But not necessarily a spectacular game, but one that, that had a bunch of drama. Somehow I saw like Pitt's playoff odds are like five or six percent. And I just don't see a scenario, even if they win out, that they make the playoffs with the loss that they had. But I guess this year, I would, I guess this year, really crazy. Yeah, that's surprising. That's too high to me. 
I don't think if you if you do, you know, you simulated a hundred seasons, Pitt makes it seven times. No yeah. way. Uh, Wake maybe I could put their their uh, chances that high. What, yeah, yeah, just win out and beat. Uh, I guess maybe have Pitt went out and then you beat a one loss Pitt team. Given how about this? Given Pitt wins the ACC. I'd say they can make it six or seven times out of a hundred. Maybe that's where I saw, but I'm pretty sure I saw it outright, which just didn't make sense to me. But I don't, anyway. I don't even think if they win the ACC, they make it that many times. I mean, you'd have to have like complete chaos. Yeah. All right. But we had, all right, we'll, we'll get to our uh, down bad in a second, but before that, let's just quickly discuss this. NC State almost having a letdown loss to Louisiana Tech, but they didn't. So we, I don't want to harp on it because we've had so many letdown losses, so many losses to group of five slash FCS teams. NC State, I feel like, just should be off the hook this week because they were able to squeak it out and come out with victory that they didn't play their best, especially defensively. I mean, Louisiana Tech is – they're an okay group of five team. They're not – they're not a Jacksonville State or a Charlotte. They're probably a Charlotte level, to be honest. But what I'm saying is I'm just happy they, they were able to pull it out. I think it shows – like, they're top 20 to 25 team, and top 20 to 25 teams are allowed to have almost hiccups and almost good for the Packers. Yeah, on my pick, I picked LaTeX pretty confidently at plus – was it plus 20, something like that, plus 20 and a half? I said NC State would win, but I just could see them after the Clemson victory kind of letting their guard down, an easy G5 team at home. You know, it is a little concerning. Austin Kendall threw for 341 and three touchdowns on them uh, on NC State's defense. Like you said, it wasn't their best performance. But it's better to have this type of game than a letdown performance, which involves a loss. So – Wolfpack Nation's excited, and the you know NC State marches on. All right. Well, that being said, NC State avoids being down bad, but Jason, who did not avoid being down bad? <laughs> they ask you how you are, and you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. Uh, I, I think we can only point to one team, and that is Miami. Maybe a little more specifically, head coach, Manny Diaz. So, you know, if you watch this game, Virginia really controlled it. It was a Thursday night game, controlled the game for a lot of, and then we got the second half. Miami started coming back, started putting the heat and Miami gets the ball, drives down to, I think it was the Virginia 14 yard line, a minute 34 left, a minute 34 left. And you take no shots at the end zone. You run basically halfback dives right into the line. And then you center the ball for the, the kicker, who, of course, Borgales misses it, doinks it off the upright. I, I think it was I think it was Reddit CFB said a walk-off doink. That was a perfect tweet. <laughs> but the picture of Manny Diaz on the sideline with just such a forlorn face and just staring out into the void after that miss, it was, it was kind of, if you're a Canes fan, you can't like that. And, and to be honest, it, you know, it kind of reminded me of, kind of reminded me of that Virginia tech game when, when they were playing at West Virginia 
and they get the ball deep. They're trying to go in for the go-ahead touchdown. Just unimaginative play calling. You know, when, when you have these situations, here's what I always think. <laughs> what would Bill Belichick do? That's, that's, or, or Nick Saban. They would go for a touchdown. They would, they would put a little creativity in it. They would go for the knockout punch. You've already talked about college kickers. You can't bank your, you know, season. And it, and it kind of was their season on making – I don't care how short it was. It, yes, he should have made it. He had plenty of distance. He just doinked it off the upright. But really down bad, not just for this game, but Manny Diaz and Miami's down bad for the season. You talked about um... – Miami, how they should have at least taken shots in the end zone. Not even that. Like, just advance the ball, make it a 25-27 yard field goal. Something that is much more, like, extra point level easy. Yeah, when I say take a shot of the end zone, I don't necessarily mean, like, you know, hike it and throw it in the end zone. I mean, push it forward. Keep going forward. Keep keep driving toward the end zone. If you get in, great. And then go for two, and then you would have covered for me. But that's beside the point. I'm not bitter, you know, but at the bare minimum, it's, you know, it, it just kneel the ball if you're going to do that. I mean, that right. is just silly. That's exactly and, what and the thing is. is if, if you would have knelt the ball, people would have been irate. But that's essentially what you did. You just ran terrible runs directly into the line. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was As you were talking, I'm like, just kneel the ball at that point. Because the, just like run, do some sort of, Somewhat creative run play, an outside run, an off-tackle run, a screen pass, a flat, something. Like yeah, I mean you, you could you can run a safe play while still picking up positive yardage. You know you had plenty of time, and I know they didn't want to score too quickly, but at that point, you know Virginia had kind of fizzled. There wasn't really. You shouldn't have been worried at home having all the momentum. Let's say you take the lead and you leave, you know, Brandon Armstrong and company, 40 seconds left. Well, first of all, if you took the lead with a touchdown, now you're making them score a touchdown. So they got to drive the whole length of the field. And I think they only had one timeout left. So I don't know. It was bad. It was bad play calling. It was a game where Manny Diaz was essentially – probably coaching for his life and it just fizzled just a, a thud at the end totally down bad and such a fitting way for it to happen too just Touché. with poor coaching everybody's gonna focus on the missed field goal and yes you gotta knock through a 33 yard field goal but you're still gonna, yeah we we've said it i think the only other storyline this game uva defense bad i guess they're not bad enough to give up 40 points to Miami. So that's a good sign. But then there's also Tyler Van Dyke, who made who's making his first career start. Actually, I mean, he definitely showed plenty of signs that he was making his first career start. Took a lot of sacks, but I think four to be exact. But at least he showed some flash, touched down the field, made some nice uh, vertical throws. So that's good to see. And then Brendan Armstrong coming back to earth sort of still one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, but he couldn't sustain his 400 yards per game pace. So that's all I got to say about that game. And then our final game of the night, Duke UNC 38 to seven, pretty much. 
I wouldn't say we expected this because I think we let's see. Well, you yeah, you had <laughs> UNC against the spread. I had Duke. I don't think anybody expected it to be thirty-one, maybe twenty-one, twenty-four for you. But either way, it makes sense for this to happen. It's not out of the ordinary. So give me your quick takeaways, Jason. Yeah, I think you know when, when you assess the game, you said I I just can't. UNC's played bad on defense. Duke's kind of coming on. Twenty points is just too much. And I agreed with every point. That's why I took the 20 points because or laid the 20 points because it was just such a kind of a preposterous line that it didn't make any Vegas obviously saw something that we didn't. And, you know, Sam Howell played well. Uh, Gunnar Holmberg played okay for Duke, but it was just it was just too much. Sam Howell and, and my guy, Josh Downs, he's really making a run at that ACC uh, receiving crown. So I'm hoping I'm hoping he can you know, get it because that's what I picked before the year. But so UNC trying to pick up the pieces, trying to salvage, see, maybe get to eight or nine win in a, a decent bowl. But they had to knock out their rival. And, and I guess for, you know, Tar Heel fans, they probably feel pretty good about that. They do. Um, Duke, I feel like their issue, A, they're not super talented offensively, but I think they have enough pieces I think their their issue is uh, is their secondary. It's like it's like Pitt, but you don't have an elite quarterback like Penny Pickett to make up for it, mm-hmm. or at least an elite offense. So it their defensive front is pretty good, but it's their secondary is atrocious. And Sam Howell was able to exploit that because he's a great quarterback. Josh Downs undoubtedly got 168 yards. He's incredible. So good win for them. Uh, and around college football, before we get to our this or that segment, we had a lot of upsets this weekend, and it's really shaping up like that three and four in the playoffs is really unsure. Iowa finally looking good. So, or I don't, they've, I mean, they're a top five team. They have been, but they're finally looking like the Iowa that everybody's made them out to be 51 to 14 over a then undefeated Maryland. So good for them. Since he being Notre Dame, could since he sneak in the playoffs? I don't know. But, uh, Jason, what about you? Do you have a factoid of the day related to uh, the rest of college football? Factoid of the day. How about this? How about Michigan going into Camp Randall, ranked Michigan team going into an unranked Wisconsin team as an underdog, especially Wisconsin coming off that terrible loss to – Notre Dame, Jim Harbaugh with Michigan had never won as an underdog until Saturday. He was 0-11, which is almost hard to believe because I know it's not like when he was underdog, he was you know, always a two or three touchdown you know, underdog. It, there had to be some spreads, and he just could never pull it out until – Saturday when he was a slight dog, but goes into Camp Randall. I'm sure that had to feel good for Michigan fans trying finally getting that monkey off their back. Now they travel to Nebraska. They're only a one point favorite, which is pretty interesting because I think I think Michigan's in the top ten in the coaches poll. So you're going to an unranked team. You're only a one point favorite. Looks like Vegas still doesn't believe in the Wolverines, but I love Jim Harbaugh. I love well, I love. I love big personalities and, and storylines in college football. And he is all of that. So I'm, I'm glad, I guess, for Michigan fans that, that they finally got that monkey off their back. 
Wow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe that, but then I really think about it and it does make sense. He, he's really not had a signature win at Michigan. So good for him. So coming up next, we are going to do this or that. All right. The rules are pretty simple. Jason and I each have four this or that questions. It is just a two-part multiple-choice question related to ACC football, and we will have to choose this or that. So I'll give you my first one, and I'm going to start pretty simple, all right? Mm-hmm. Devin Leary or Sam Hartman? This year or going forward? Oh, just as your quarterback, like you're starting a team and mm. – what do you want as your quarterback? Yeah, for this year. That's a tough one, man. I I guess I'll go Leary. I, I, I feel like Hartman in his offense might be my pick, but if I'm just going just quarterback and skills, I guess I'm gonna go Leary. Okay. I I think Leary over Hartman. I actually wrote an article about it where I broke down how Leary should be considered one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC. I'll link that to the bio, but or I'm sorry, to the episode description. But, uh, yeah, Jason, what's your first one? That that article, by the way, is the reason I picked Leary. <laughs> Full disclosure. Um, so my first one is going to be win total over the next five years. And I'll go with the same teams. NC State or Wake Forest? Hmm. All right. Keep in mind, this is not very scientific because I don't have the either teams at a conference schedule over the next five years mm-hmm. pulled up. But in general, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Wake. I think they have I, – I just – I can't doubt that their recruiting class – like they're, they're never going to recruit well rankings-wise, but I feel like they're always going to put it together on the field. I, I think every single season week will go bowling. It's a safe pick for me. NC State just has more of a chance of falling apart, having a four or five win season. I feel like Wake is just steady. And they have good quarterbacks, like promising quarterbacks in the back end of their room that are young and that have yet to arrive on campus yet that are committed. So I'll go Wake. All right. Speaking nice. of Wake Forest, we're going to keep on this Wake Forest theme. All right, you have this or that. Nick Skiba is your kicker, or you have no kicker, but you automatically get the two-point conversion each touchdown you get. Oh, man. I, I'm going to go – I'm going to go – I'm going to go two points because that will – I love aggressive play calling, and that would force me to be aggressive. It'd be like the the guy uh, who, who was it, Presbyterian, who never punts. He used to do high school football, and he never punts. It would kind of force me to. I, I couldn't pull a Manny Diaz, right? I couldn't play for that field goal. I'd have to really be aggressive and push forward. So I'm going to go with uh, the two point conversion. Cool, I love it. The, <laughs> let, let me let me tell the listeners that you and I did not talk about these, even though these are segueing into perfectly. So speaking of Manny Diaz, 
this or that? Manny Diaz's hot seat or Justin Fuente's hot seat? Am I choosing which one is hotter? Which one would you rather have? Okay, so which one's colder? I'd, <laughs> I'd rather be, oh my God. I'd rather be in Fuente's situation because it's, it's a very toxic situation and whether he does well or not, he's going to be out of there. But at least Fuente might be able to find another power five job if he does well. Whereas I feel like Manny Diaz, he's kind of screwed. So that that's why. Yep. So I'm, uh, I'm kind of going like a, a more zoomed out situation, but I'd rather be Fuente right now than Manny Diaz. We we did a we did a spaces on Twitter, which follow us on Twitter, by the way. Uh, we did a spaces on Twitter at the halftime of the Virginia uh, Miami game. And one of the tweets that someone had tweeted was Manny Diaz is on the currently on the phone to see if that temple job is still available. <laughs> you, you are the head coach. This is my third this or that. You have the Clemson offense or the Virginia defense and consider the other side is just average. Oh, man. Clemson offense or I, – I, I'm going to just default and say Clemson offense only because I, I, I'd hope for a, a, a Shipley to get back and they could at least run the ball. Kobe Pace showed some, you know, some maybe light at the end of the tunnel on Saturday versus Boston College. Uyunglele has not been great, and that's probably sugarcoating it. So, but – that being said, Virginia defense has already given up 59 to UNC. They gave up, you know, 28 to a, a bad Miami team. They gave up 30 plus to Wake Forest. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hope the Tiger offense can wake up at some point. So my this or that. Okay, so you, Dan at ECC content. Follow him on Twitter, by the way. You, you tweet out that a team is going to lose, okay? And then that team wins, all right? This or that, which fan base on Twitter do you want to face after that scenario? Clemson's or NC State's? Um. NC State's fans have grown on me a lot. They've been very loving to me. <laughs> but I'm going to choose Clemson just because I feel like a lot fewer Clemson fans follow me on ACC content. And I know their Cle- those fans could be brutal, but they I'm going to get attacked by much fewer people. So I'll, that's the only reason. I'm you got to pump those numbers up, man. You got to pump them up. <laughs> I hope so. If you're a Clemson fan following this or listening to this and you don't follow me, please do. I am Dan at ACC content. Dan Siegel. But uh, – that being said, that was our this or that segment. And I think we should put a pin in it for tonight. So thank you guys for listening. Please um, follow us on Twitter. Like we've said, subscribe to our podcast. Give us a five-star review if you enjoyed what you heard. And, of course, join our Discord. That is uh, – you can find it in Jason's Twitter bio or just, you know, reach out to us if you have any questions. And or just insight. We love to just interact with you guys. But with that being said, once again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on the Pipeline HTC podcast.